This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. وظنوا أنهم قد كذبوا جاءهم نصرنا فنجي من نشاء ولا يرد بأسنا عن القوم المجرمين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي فالحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Once again everyone السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته I am going to try and start our study of ayah number 110 of Surah Yusuf today uh, I must admit it has been a taxing study uh, for this ayah because it has uh, an issue in it that really deserves a lot of thought, contemplation, careful reading, rereading, investigation before we open our mouth about it. So what I've decided to do, even though I, I don't think I've done doing, I, I've done my due diligence in completing my scan of whatever I can on uh, the material found on this ayah, um, I do want to get started somewhere. So a lot of what we can cover under the study of this ayah is not complicated. And so I'd like to get much of that homework out of the way and then maybe have a dedicated session on the complexity that is inside of it. Um, and I think these kinds of things deserve that much time. And if I still feel that I'm not capable of doing it at least some level of justice, then maybe I'm going to drag my, my dear friend Soheb, who's been helping me, and I'm very grateful for his help. Uh, in fact, he actually, on the, on the one question that I asked him, he even put together a full one-hour briefing of a scan of multiple readings for me just so I can grasp, you know, wrap my head around what's going on with our scholarship on the subject. So maybe I'll just drag him into the session next, uh, you know, in, in the part B of this ayah, just so we can, you know, talk it out. Um, whatever I feel is best to communicate the message of the ayah, uh, inshallah ta'ala. So what I'm going to do today is... Um, I'm going to just give you guys a preface that I am predominantly, mostly going to focus on the non-complex parts of the reading of this ayah. So let's translate it. And the, the reason complexity occurs is because there are two readings of the ayah. So I'll translate both of them and I'll maybe give you, it'll give you some idea where the difficulty lies. And then inshallah we'll start talking about how things are coming together. Actually, um, can you do me a favor? Uh, I think Seiko took my phone and it had some of my notes in it. Can you grab those for me? And you can put them on this edge so you're not in the shot. Okay. All right. So let's begin. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم حتى إذا استيأس الرسل وظنوا أنهم قد كذبوا Until the point. Now, what is this until the point? The previous ayah says, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ إِلَّا رِجَالًا نُوحِي إِلَيْهِمْ We didn't send any messengers from before you except men that we give insp- gave inspiration to, meaning Allah gave revelation to them. مِنْ أَهْلِ الْقُرَى From within the people of the towns. أَفَلَمْ يَسِيرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ Didn't they then travel in the land? فَيَنْظُرَ كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ Then they didn't take a good look themselves. 
What, came, what became the outcome of those who came from much before them? And the home of the afterlife is better for those for those who cautioned and protected themselves. Why then don't you think? So Allah is talking about the saga of previous nations and how they were destroyed. And right before the moments of destruction, what happened? So this ayah is going to be, the previous ayah was, haven't they seen the ruins of previous nations and how they've been dealt with? Why do they think they're an exception? That Allah is not going to bring His judgment down on them if they mistreat His messenger. But now in this ayah, in 110, what Allah is going to do, uh, the, the phone you can just put place here. Or is it in the drawer? Oh, it's already there? Oh. What? Oh, it's on the floor. Okay, thanks, Nicholas. <laughs> I opened up my notes, sorry. Yeah, my brain's all over the place because of this ayah. But mashallah, alhamdulillah, what a joy to study Quran. Anyway, so, you know, so, so previous ayah said, these people, haven't they passed by the ruins? Didn't they see what the outcome was for those people that came before them? You know, and after that, now Allah takes us to those scenes. What led those ruins to happen was a long history but right before things really went crazy, like the nation was completely wrecked or heavenly punishment descended, you know, the punishment descended from the sky and Allah's verdict came. What was the scene right before all of that went down? Until the point when messengers, and I'll translate what I, what I think is more convincing, until the point where messengers nearly lost all hope. Nearly lost all hope. And they started to, the thought dawned on them. And again, I'm translating the way I think is a preferable reading. The, and the thought dawned on them, or they started believing, that they have been lied to. The messengers, it started dawning on them that they have been lied to. Another translation is going to be, the easier one is going to be, and it dawned on them that they are going to be called liars. What that means, the, the, the easier reading means, is it dawned on them that these people who are calling them liars are not going to change. So they, they lost, all, the first part was they nearly lost all hope. Why did they lose all hope? Because the thought started becoming dominant inside of them that the people that they are trying to preach to are no longer going to believe in them. Like there's no hope for them turning around. Okay? That would be with a shadda. We'll dig, dig into that. But kudibu that they were lied to. That's the more complex reading. Ja'ahum nasruna our aid came to them. So at the very last moment when they were losing all hope and they thought that they've been lied to or they've been called liars now and that's not going to change, our aid arrived at them. Our aid came to them. Then whoever we want, whoever we will was rescued. Whoever we decide was rescued. Uh, which is a heavy thing to say. So that'll be a discussion by itself. And our war, meaning our delivery of war, our artillery, our, you know, when you bring the war to someone, when, when the armies descend, like, you know, instead of the war coming to us, we'll take the war to them. You know what that means? That someone takes their weaponry, their artillery, their masses, and they bring it to the enemy, right? And so Allah says, our war will not be turned away. As if war is something like a spear headed towards someone, right? Uh, are not, the calamity we decide is not going to be turned away from al-qawmil mujrimin, from criminal people, from the uh, from the people who commit crimes. So again, a bunch of loaded statements inside of this ayah. 
But today we're going to, you know, to address something complex, the smartest thing to do is to break it up into simpler parts. Those of you that study Arabic with me, hopefully now see that, right? So you can look at something at the beginning as something complex and loaded, and when you break it up into smaller parts, it starts making more and more sense. So my task, maybe my only task today, is actually to talk about hopelessness. Uh, just that. If I could do that, then we've gotten ourselves to a good start, right? And... The thing that I want to highlight before we talk about hopelessness uh, and what we can learn from it is actually a, a kind of a scholarly discussion about the two different words for hopelessness. So you've got iyas or al-ya'is, al-iyas or al-ya'is, which means hopelessness, and the root letters are ya, hamza, and sin. And from it, in a different pattern, in the istifal pattern, you get isti'as, uh, or isti'asayastay'isu isti'asan, which some consider to be the same thing. Isti'as and iyas, or is meaning all the same. But Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah actually made a pretty good case. And I, I thought this already on my own because of my self-studies. I thought there has to be a difference between these two words. Especially because inside of the, the, the ecosystem of this surah, Allah used both of these words. And he, so he fused these words together inside of the same narrative, inside of the same story. That must mean, I would argue, a divine intent that there has to be highlighted difference between them. They can't be looked at exactly the same way. Because if Allah meant exactly the same thing, He would say exactly the same word. right? So He used a different form of the word. So what does the isti'as do that iyas doesn't do? Again, two different words for hopelessness. So I think the best way to kind of look at that is, I was just going to read to you what Ibn Taymiyyah wrote about the subject. It's about a page of reading from his commentary. But I think it's worth it. And then inshallah we're going to try and dig into this. I'll, I'll read this and translate for you. إِذَا اسْتَيْ أَسَرْرُسُ فَإِنَّهُ قَالَ سُبْحَانَهُ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, إِذَا اسْتَيْ أَسَرْرُسُ Until the point where messengers, and I'm translating, almost lost all hope. But if you don't consider a difference between them, you will translate it as, translate it as until the point when the messengers lost hope. So you would drop the word almost. Right? So, but I'm not doing that. I'm saying almost lost all hope. But those who say ya'is and isti'as mean the same thing, they wouldn't use the word almost, they would say they lost hope. Right? So he says, he uses the word isti'asa, وَلَمْ يَقُلْ يَئِسَ الرُّسُلُ And he didn't say that the messengers lost hope, the other word. So now Ibn Taymiyyah is saying, he said this but not this. So he's, he's distinguishing between them. And the first time I read that, I was like, ah, somebody said it. <laughs> okay. وَلَا ذَكَرَ مَسْتَيْأَسُ مِنْهُ And he didn't say... So one, he didn't say ya'is, which literally means to lose hope. And second, he didn't say what they lost hope in. So it says, they lost hope. They lost hope in what? He doesn't, he doesn't say what that is. So those are the two observations he starts off with. And this word, istay'asa, the one that I'm calling almost lost hope, he's already mentioned it. Allah has already mentioned it in this surah. When they lost, almost lost all hope from him, they went into solitude. This is this part of the story. Let me take you recap so you can understand the ayah citation here. Um, Yusuf's brothers took their brother Binyamin to who they thought was the minister, but it was their brother, right? And when he arrested him under the pretense that he created, and then he wouldn't let, let him go. So you can't, I'm not going to let him go because you, no matter what you say, he's going to stay here, right? When, he, when they did that, 
and they tried to make a clay case, he's got an old father, please let him come with us, he wouldn't let him go, right? When they lost, now the, that, now the transition then was when they lost all hope, right? When they lost all hope that he, they can't get him back, the word asa was used. The, the same word I'm saying means almost lost all hope, right? But there it seemed like it sounds like they lost all hope. But now I'm saying it means they almost lost all hope. So when they almost lost all hope, they met in solitude. Now the thing is, if you lose all hope, then there is no need for you to meet. Because it's lost, so there's no need for you to plan or what to do now, because it's already lost cause, right? So he says, And it can be said that this word, to almost lose hope, is not the same as losing hope altogether for a number of reasons. Uh, and one of those two reasons can be, so this time he says, so maybe he meant two reasons. That the Yusuf's brothers didn't lose hope entirely in retrieving their brother. Because what their biggest brother said, that I shall not I shall remain in the land until my dad gives me permission or Allah makes a verdict for me. Remember that? Allah makes a verdict for me, and He's the best of all who can make a verdict. Allah makes a decision for me. Dalilun ala annahu yarju and yahkum Allahu lahu. It's actually evidence that he was hoping that Allah will make some verdict for him. So that statement itself includes hope in it. Which means the state asu in the previous ayah would mean they lost nearly all hope, but not all hope. Because if you've lost all hope, you wouldn't be saying, Allah will, you know, I'll stay here until Allah opens an opening. Or Allah makes a verdict. And here, perhaps Allah's verdict would mean some kind of relief. So therefore, there is some glimmer of hope, which is why he stays behind. So this is his first evidence to say why istayasa doesn't mean losing all hope. It means almost losing all hope. And if that's not the case, then there doesn't seem to be a point for him staying back in Egypt. If there's not some glimmer of hope, there's no point for him to stay back. And it also should, can be said that hopelessness is about something that is impossible for it to happen. That's when you become hopeless, when something is impossible. And he didn't come across what would necessitate it's completely impossible. Because they said, Minister, he has an old father. Take one of us in his place. We see you as someone who does favors. We see you as someone who does good. He said, I seek Allah's refuge. I cling to God. That we shall arrest anyone except the one we found our goods with. So, that we would be wrongdoers if that's the case. So he prevented them, prevented from surrendering, handing him over to them. But it's also known that that doesn't mean it's absolutely the case. This is one situation, but that doesn't mean forever you can never have him back. That doesn't necessarily close the door. Because his decision can change. And his intentions can change. 
And how often does it happen in the world that hearts change? I mean, a person saying never, 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 but a person's never doesn't have to be never, right? A person's heart can change. And he says, and how often have you seen that in life? Ibn Taymiyyah kind of drops that little zinger in there. Yeah, how often do you see that in life? Someone says, I'll always love you. Aha, uh-huh, three years later. <laughs> right? We're always going to be like, the, uh, yeah, okay. I would never blah, blah, blah. Really, never. Then you look back and say, oh, didn't you used to say never? Yeah, well, I felt that at the time. <laughs> so the always and the never and the absolutely this and that and the other, when human beings say that, there can be limits on that, right? We, things can happen that are out of our control. We can't even actually fully control our own hearts, actually. So th- feelings can change, circumstances can change. So he says, this is not set in stone because a heart itself isn't set in stone. It can also be that Yusuf loses his power and somebody else takes charge. And, and then the verdict and the decision-making power will go to a different judge. It could also be that he has to let him go with no choice of his matter, meaning circumstances are created, the prisons are flooded, or something else happens, and you know, he has to let him go. And how many often, how many times have you seen a case where someone says, I'm not going to give, I'm not going to give, I'm not going to give, and then Allah creates circumstances where the giving comes right out of his hands without him having any choice. And it could be that he could die. Meaning Yusuf could actually die. And then his decisions would be nullified or something. And the world is full of cases of this. Where people are so sure that they're not going to change or the verdict has been passed and then circumstances change completely. Right? Plans have been made, verdicts have been issued, court documents have been sealed, and then the circumstances change. So there is still hope. In, the, in this world, you know, human beings are not, and, and our decisions are never set in stone. Second position, second reason why we should think of istayasa as almost lost hope, or nearly lost hope, but not all hope, okay? Or lost hope altogether. قَالَ لَهُمْ يَعْقُوبُ Yaqub said to them, listen to this, يَا بَنِيَّا اِذْهَبُوا My sons, go, فَتَحَسَّسُوا مِنْ يُوسُفَ Seek out, sense out, scope out for Yusuf and his brother. Remember that ayah? Go out and look for him. And don't lose hope in Allah's loving mercy. And don't lose hope in Allah's care. And the words don't lose hope are yayasu. Not don't lo- almost lose hope, don't lose hope. So, and he says, Nobody loses hope in the mercy of Allah except disbelieving people. So this time, the word for hope is different from the one that was just used for prophets. So this becomes also a matter of how Allah speaks about prophets as opposed to disbelievers. Disbelievers have yais. Disbelievers have no hope. And messengers can get to a point where they're almost at no hope, but never at no hope absolutely. You understand? So there's a line drawing. The feeling is hopelessness. But there's something inside there's a superpower inside a believer that keeps that line from ever hitting zero. You could, the temperature could drop. The heat of hope could drop. The flicker can drop and turn into a little tiny spark, but the fire will never go out. Now, something will still be there. 
And he says, don't lose all hope. Because people who do that, they're the people who... It's so it's such interesting imagery. I didn't even intend to do that. But Al-Kafirun means people who bury. Right? If you, to keep the spark alive, the only people who don't have any spark left are people who bury it. Because when you pour dirt over the flame, there's no flame left. Right? So he says, only disbelievers or barriers are the ones don't, that don't have hope in the mercy of Allah. وَمِنَ الْمَعْلُومَ أَنَّهُمْ لَمْ يَكُونُوا كَافِرِينَ and it's known that they weren't disbelievers. And because he, Allah Himself said, nobody loses hope in Allah except disbelieving people, that makes it impossible for messengers to have ya'is. So they can have isti'as, but they can't have ya'is. They can have the almost lost hope, but they can never have lost all hope. You get it? So he, this is why he's making this like elaborate point to, from a linguistic point of view and a contextual point of view. أَنْ يَقَعُوا فِي الْإِسْتِئَاسِ بَلِ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ مَا دَامُوا مُؤْمِنِينَ لَا يَيْأَسُونَ مِنْ رَوْحِ اللَّهِ وَهَذِهِ السُّورَةَ تَضَمَّنَتْ ذِكْرَ الْمُسْتَيْئِسِينَ وَأَنَّ الْفَرَحِ جَاءَهُمْ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ So he says, this context actually suggests that the believers who almost lost hope, because the, the story of Yusuf is about people who almost lost entire hope, and then joy came to them after that. Right? So Yaqub is brought to the brink, to the point where he's crying out like he's never cried out in his life, and then Allah gives him relief. Right? So that he brings them to the point of almost losing hope, and then he brings them joy, and that's to teach the believer not to ever lose hope completely. And it's because of that that in the surah you have لَقَدْ كَانَ فِي قَصَصِهِمْ عِبْرَةٌ That in their stories, their, uh, in their story and in their narrative there is a powerful tear-jerking tear lesson a lesson that will move you فَذِكْرُوا إِسْتِئَاسِ الْإِخْوَى مِنْ أَخِي يُوسُفِ he says, and therefore the almost losing hope can be something that can be interpreted in line with what Ibn Abbas said and what Aisha said. And that's our assignment for tomorrow, inshallah. What did Ibn Abbas say? What did Aisha say? And what, how is he tying that to almost losing hope? Okay. But this final comment on this. This is his fourth line of reasoning. That isti'al is from the, paddle, the pattern, the, the, the morphology pattern, the sarf pattern of istif'al. Well, istif'al yaqa'u ala wujuh. And this pattern is used for a number of reasons. Yakunu talab al-fi'l min al-ghayr. It's used to demand something for someone else. So istif'ham, for example, oh, I'll just use his examples. Fal istikhraj, wal istif'ham, wal isti'lam, yakunu fil af'al al-muta'addiyah. So wanting to draw something out. Or wanting to seek an explanation. Istifham. Faham is understanding. Istifham to seek an understanding. Isti'lam to seek information from ilm. Ilm is knowledge, right? Isti'lam to seek out knowledge. To, to want knowledge from someone else. To inquire even. You can say isti'lam. So these are all transitive verbs. Uh, grammar students, you'll see what transitive and intransitive means soon. This is lazim and ta'addi. Istakhrajat. mala min ghayri. I drew out the money from other than myself. Just like that, I sought understanding. But this, this trend inside the istifal pattern to seek something from someone, like we say istighfar, right? 
Because we're seeking forgiveness from Allah. So you see the ist in it? It's the same isti'as. So he says, but that's not the reason. We can't apply that to isti'as. And that's another interesting linguistic um, understanding. Sometimes students study at the basic level of Arabic or some introductory level of Arabic and they're like, well, I learned that istif'al is talabul fi'l. It demands something. Therefore, every time I see istif'al in the Quran, it's going to demand something. Uh, the Arabic language evolved and developed and added nuances and complexities over thousands of years. And one of its trends for a beginner student is to understand this is one trend of the several trends. This is a popular trend. And what students do is they take a popular trend and think that is the absolute golden rule. Therefore, all things should be applied. All things should be interpreted under that golden rule. It doesn't work like that. Language is far more complicated than that. So when you, the, the analogy is so somebody learns to ride a tricycle and now they want to get on the highway and change lanes with the 18-wheeler trucks coming. <laughs> Chill out. You know some Arabic, that's good. That's really good, but don't, you're, you're not ready yet. Hold, hold on, a little, little bit more to go. So there's a lot of Tafsir study to do, there's a lot of Arabic study to do. But we'll get there. Don't be intimidated and say, I'll never get there. But also don't be overconfident about the little that you know. It's crazy to me, in my, in my experience as a student, for my own personal self, and my experience as what I've seen around me, is the people who know a little, and people who spent some time in learning, and then they felt like they're done. Because, you know, when you learn a little bit, then all of a sudden, people around you know way less than you. Right? Because you're the only one who learned a little bit. Everybody else feels like, wow, you know that? Like if somebody took Shahada, and they learned their Qaeda Nurani, they left it, learned the Alif Ba, right? Then all their other new Muslim friends, or even non-Muslim, you know Arabic? Yeah. That's an Alif. They're like, what? Okay, what about this one? What about this? That's a Jeem. Well, okay, okay, this one, this one, cough. What? You're amazing. And you're like, in your head, you're like, actually, I, I am amazing. I am pretty amazing. And now you become this intellectual authority in that circle of three that are at a Starbucks, right? <laughs> so now you start feeling like you can comment on things because now they are looking to you as the, you know, and, and you start developing this, this false perception of yourself, right? And that can happen to anybody. But when you truly become a student, then you realize the limits of knowledge, the limits of your own knowledge. And you really truly realize what does it mean when you, when you come across somebody who knows more than you, and they can demonstrate that, then you are put in your place and you say, Man, I gotta, your passion for learning increases. And your desire to demonstrate what you've learned decreases. This, this is important. You no longer want to prove how much you know. You don't care. You just want to learn more. You want to find the next teacher. You want to find the next milestone for yourself. Learning becomes a joy. And even what you share with somebody is not because you just really wanted to show them what you know. What you share with them is almost like learning is, I, I think of learning as eating really delicious food. Or eating food that makes, it's almost like consuming uh, perfume, putting perfume on yourself. People around you will just smell it. Hey, what did you eat? Hey, what's that? Right? Like, if you have a book in front of you, it doesn't have a cell. But if you have delicious food in front of you, people come, what is that? Right? You won't have to call people, hey, you know, by the way, this is delicious. Let me tell you. You can't have it. This is just for me. Because you're not there yet. But let me tell you how delicious this is. You won't do that anymore. The, the, the desire to prove yourself will go away. 
You know, people do that in social settings, right? They want to demonstrate their political know-how, their medical know-how, their scientific know-how, their nutritional know-how, their, you know, sports now, whatever. We're just, we're become obsessed with proving our point to somebody as if we know and they don't know, right? But when it comes to this area of knowledge, man, first thing you'll learn is humility if you're really learning. And if you haven't learned humility, humility, you know what that actually means? That you haven't really started learning yet. Because if you really started applying yourself, you'd see the limits of your knowledge. You just see it. So anyway, coming back to this. Meaning those meanings of talabul fi'l, demanding something from, with the ist, like demand, or asking forgiveness, asking information, those patterns, that wouldn't apply here. Because nobody demands hopelessness. Istayasa, he asked for hopelessness. That doesn't make any sense. So he says you can't take that linguistic pattern and apply that here. And also because it's an intransitive verb, not a transitive one. Uh, and that's again a later discussion for those of you uh, who are going to continue with grammar studies. But, but this pattern can also be used. This is really cool. This pattern can also be used for something to start transforming itself into something else. When something starts transforming into something else, then ist is used. And this happens in intransitive verbs. Now there's two words. Hijr means stone. Teen means soil. So they put ist on the stone. Which means that the, the, sto the, the, the soil started getting hard almost like stone. So the soil is starting to turn into stone. But the soil will never actually become what? So it'll feel like it, but when you hold it and you press it, what's going to happen? It's going to collapse. But a stone won't do that, you understand? So it's becoming like it. It's almost turning into, it's almost transformation. It's, it's looking like it, but it's not really it, is it? It's really cool. So, It's becoming like stone. Like an, an animal that's acting like a camel. When they became almost entirely hopeless in the story of Yusuf, now the ayah. So Allah says, Hatta until the word until itself is man. Hatta is one of those complexities in the Quran. Hatta is used in this ayah as an opener, which is not usually an opener. You don't use the word until in the beginning of a statement. You don't say until un, uh, unless you have something to add afterwards. Right? So uh, you say, for example, I won't reach here until another 10 minutes. Okay? Or until they get here, we're not going to eat. Right? But here, the word until can also be used to describe how something was taking so long. The help of the, Allah's help didn't come. Things didn't change. Things didn't change. Things kept getting worse. Things kept getting worse. And there's so much behind the until. Things kept, you know, worsening and becoming darker and darker until the moment when Ida, Ida is Fujaiya, but also means until the moment arrived, until the time came when istay asar rusulu the messengers started becoming almost like they don't have hope. Remember how the 
stone becomes, the soil becomes like stone. The messenger started feeling like there's no hope. Started to get that feeling. Will they ever have no hope? No. Will they be afflicted with hopelessness? Yes. Is it right to say that a believer will never lose hope? Uh, no, but it's also wrong to say a believer will never be hopeless. A believer can become almost entirely hopeless. That's, that's accurate. A believer can become what? Almost entirely hopeless. Never entirely hopeless. Because the word used here is to describe that even messengers experience that. The people that are closest to Allah experienced almost losing all hope. Almost there. It takes a lot to get a messenger there, doesn't it? <laughs> it takes a lot to get them there. What is it that they're losing hope in? These people that I love, that I care for, that I want to help. I'm starting to lose hope that they're going to change. But more than that, if you study messengers carefully in Quran, it's not even that. You know what it is? They're starting to, they, sometimes they start losing hope in maybe I'm not doing enough. Maybe if I just gave in to their demands, because they would say, well, if you show us this miracle or this miracle or this miracle, then we might believe. Maybe if I just gave them what they wanted, maybe then they'll believe. Maybe I should just ask Allah to give them what they want, and then they'll believe. And Allah is not giving that to me, that's why they're not believing. You know people who put demands on you to do the right thing, and then you blame yourself for not giving in to their demands, and say, they're not doing the right thing because I didn't give in to their demands. No, they're not doing the right thing because they're messed up. You don't put that hopelessness on yourself and that blame on yourself and say, I'm falling short of something. This even happened with the Prophet They asked him for, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know what, why don't you bring out, we have zamzam here, but we could use a lot more water, it's a desert environment. Why don't you just get springs coming out all over the desert? Because your God is almighty, right? Why don't you turn these mountains into gold? Let's just do that, you know. فَتُفَجِّرُ الْأَنْهَارَ تَفْجِيرًا So that the gush, gushes of rivers will flow in every direction. Why don't you just do that? Oh, how about you bring our ancestors back? Can, can you do that? Because we really respected them. So if my great-grandpa came back and told me, Hey, believe in him. I'd be like, yes, yes sir. And what is Quran? How does Quran answer that question? Quran says the Israelites were given a dead person coming back to life in front of their eyes. Yes or no? In front of their eyes, and the immediate next ayah is, Then your hearts became hard. You don't learn? When people ask these things, they're asking for trouble. Because if Allah gives in to their demands, and gives them what they ask, then, then they've made a deal. You show us this, we will believe. Then when Allah shows them this, and they still don't believe, now they deserve to be destroyed. There's no da'wah left. So when they're asking for a miracle, they don't even realize they're asking for their own destruction. Which is why when they kept rushing the Prophet, asking the Prophet for a miracle, Allah didn't describe in the Quran, they're asking you for a miracle. He said to them, He, he said to the Prophet, يَسْتَعْجِلُونَكَ بِالْعَذَابِ They're rushing you to get punished. يَسْتَعْجِلُونَكَ بِالْعَذَابِ أَوَلَمْ يَكْفِهِمْ أَنَّا أَنزَلْنَا عَلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ يُطْلَى عَلَيْهِمْ isn't it enough for them that we're sending the book down that's being read to you? You want a miracle? The book is in front of you. You want something else? Oh, 
Oh, you're rushing to get punished. You're rushing to get punished. You know, قَالُوا بَلْ سُكِّرَتْ أَبْصَارُنَا بَلْ نَحْنُ قَوْمٌ مَسْحُرُونَ Allah says, if you send, if, if, the, if Allah sends scroll, like, you know, ayat are the word of Allah, with, in, in, a, in a document with Allah, Allah said, if I send pages of that floating down from the sky, and they, فَلَمَسُوهُ بِأَيْدِيهِمْ And they touch those pages with their hands. Imagine if that happened. What would they say? لَقَالُوا they would have absolutely said, and nobody knows that scenario and the reality of it more than Allah. For us, it's a hypothetical. For Allah, He's absolute knowledge. Our eyes are drunk. We're people that are being completely duped in by magic. This is an illusion. It's not real. This can't be happening. You're willing to accept that, but not reality in front of you. That's how stuck they are in their disbelief. And when people demonstrate that kind of disbelief, then messengers get to the, got to the point where they almost lost all hope. They lost almost entirely. They were, and when you start losing hope, then you stop. The, the energy with which you do something depletes. Our ability to put work into something is directly tied to hope. Directly. If you think that you're putting energy in something and no good will come out of it, if you start entertaining that thought, guess what? You can't put your heart and soul in it. You can't put the work in it. And messengers, they have to put the more work in, and not just work, they have to put their heart and soul into every moment of their mission. Don't they? Our Prophet was told, لِيُثَبِّتَ بِهِ فُؤَادَكَ وَرَتَّلْنَاهُ تَرْتِيلًا So we can firm your heart. The Qur'an is being given to you, so we can firm your heart. We can keep it fired up. So your motivation never goes down. We keep, you burn, we keep the fire burning. But messengers came and points came where they're almost all hope was lost. Well, and Rasul is now in a place where his wife has passed. His biggest support, Khadija, has passed. His uncle has passed. His biggest social support. His, mo his biggest emotional support has disappeared. His biggest social support has disappeared. And things are getting worse and worse. And things are escal de you know, escalating for the worse exponentially fast. Exponentially fast. The, the situation in Makkah has become untenable. You know, living in a cave and eating off of leaves is something our Prophet has experienced. He, he's been boycotted already. He's already lived this. When he has gone through these kinds of trials, when a, a human being would be treated like this by his own people, by his own people, the people he was good to his entire life, is one thing to get mugged by a stranger who didn't care for you, right? It's another to be treated with such hatred and spite by people you were good to your entire life. People who looked up to you for the good you did to them their entire life. And yet they can turn around and that, that's a kind of pain that's hard to get over. And what does that make you? It makes you jaded. Like if people that I was so good to can be so evil to me, what's the point of doing good for anyone else? Why even bother with strangers? Because the people who even know you are going to wreck you like this, well, everybody's messed up then. I have no hope in humanity. Right? Many of us have had bad experiences with people. And what does that do to us? 
it changes our view of everyone else. We look at everyone else as a potential messed up person, right? Rusul of Allah, the messengers of Allah, refuse to see everyone based on their worst experiences. Because if they did, they would have lost hope. They, they can't look at people and, and preach to them and want their well-being if deep down inside, they have already prejudged them as triggers for what they experienced before from someone else. Can't do that. But when the same people, the same, and they don't even do that for people who hurt them, actually. This is what makes messengers different from us. When somebody mistreats you, you're like, forget you, man. I don't got to deal with you. I'm out. If somebody disrespects you, insults you, if somebody abuses you, if somebody cheats you in business, if somebody beats you up, you can get the law against them. If you can't get the law against them, you get away from them. If you have the opportunity, you'll never see them again. Right? Simple. The same people who insult the messengers of Allah, alayhim salam Allah says, go back and preach to them again. No, find yourself a new town. These people don't appreciate you. No, same town. Same people. Same neighbor. Ya Allah, they spit at me when I was reciting the ayat of your ayat. Yesterday they, were, they shooed me away like I'm an animal. You want me to go back and talk to them again? Yes, talk to them again. Day and night, same people. You think if you talk to them, the first time they insulted you, the second time, they're going to be like, oh, I already insulted him yesterday, so I should go easier on him today. You know what these thugs are going to do? Are oh, you back for more? Oh, this is going to be fun. Are they going to cross a further line? Or are they going to become more respectful? Just use your, use your mind. How are things going to get for them? Things keep getting worse and worse. These people's behaviors start becoming more audacious, more, more obnoxious, more outrageous. And the messengers have no choice to walk away. Go back and preach to them again. Go back and preach to them again. Go back and preach to them again. And the more times they go back, the worse they get. The worst, and then it goes from mockery to accusations to insults. was insane. And he was yelled at. Wazdujir means every time he speaks, hey, hey, we don't want to hear you. Hey, get out of here, get out of here. Like they overpower their voices over his. They scold him like he's done something wrong. That's how they treat him. Like, you know, the crazy person that you have to escort out of the building? That kind of thing. Excuse me, you can't be here. No, get out of here. That's how they were treated. And the point, and the messengers wouldn't give up. Now can you just, just we hear these things, and we just pass over them like 950 years with Nuh Can you try 950 hours? How about 950 minutes? How about 950 seconds of insults? How, how about that? How would you feel towards a person who treated you like that? You think you would talk to them about in a way that you care for them after they did that to you? You think you and I are capable of that? Like that a person would hurl insults our way, talk about us, our family, make fun of our religion, do every possible, find every possible way to, to inflict pain on us. And we would go back and pray for them. <laughs> These are the Rusul. So it's simple to read until the messengers lost all hope. It's simple to read that. But, you know, 
us losing hope and them losing hope were comparing the depths of the earth to the heights of the highest mountains. And even that doesn't begin to close that gap. This is how we show honor to the messengers of Allah. We understand what they did first, what their hearts went through to do what they've done. And once you realize that, once you, it begins to dawn on you, what does it mean that even a messenger is starting to lose hope in their people? How real that pain was. Then you begin to appreciate the value of revelation. These Revelation didn't come to us cheap. This book didn't come to us cheap. Behind this book, for me to be able to read ayah number 100 and, and Surah Yusuf, are many tears, are many moments of agony inside the heart of Rasulullah He paid a dear, dear price so you and I can have the word of Allah. Allah didn't just give it to him and it got distributed. It didn't happen. That didn't happen. And you know what? Physical pain is way easier to deal with than hopelessness inside the heart, than pain inflicted by people inside the heart. And the, even the messengers of Allah who have Allah instilling them with hope, instilling them with reinforcement, they know Allah is behind them. They know that. The spiritual secrets to having the ultimate joy in life is inside of their hearts. And yet people can still ripping, still rip almost all hope away from you. So you can have your faith in Allah and you'll find strength in it. But that doesn't mean it won't get start, start getting eaten away. Like it's, it's like a reservoir, right? And it, people, it's this well that Allah fills inside you and people keep drawing from it. And it can almost become dry. Which is why we got to fill it with iman over and over again. We've got to spiritually fill ourselves with the word of Allah over and over again because life will keep pulling it out. Life will keep pulling, pulling hope out of ourselves. Hatta idha stay'asa rusulu. Until the messengers, until the point where even the messengers almost lost all hope. annahum qad kudibu. This is going to be quick. I, I will go into detail tomorrow, but I'll, I'll read one thing from you from Aisha radiallahu anha. Um, There's so many pages on this one. Okay. تَقْرَأُ وَكَانَتْ عَائِشَةُ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَ عَنْهَا تَقْرَأُ بِالتَّثْقِيلِ وَتُنْكِرُ التَّخْفِيفِ Aisha رضي الله عنها used to read this ayah أَنَّهُمْ قَدْ كُذِّبُوا You hear a shadda? كُذِّبُوا As opposed to reading كُذِّبُوا When I started reading to you the Hafs reading of the ayah I said حَتَّى إِذَا اسْتَيْأَسَ الرُّسُلُ وَظَنَّهُ I didn't stress the th. I said kudhibu. Aisha radiallahu anha used to say kudhibu and absolutely reject kudhibu, the one I'm reading. The one we're reading from the Mus'haf. She was very adamant about reading kudhibu. What does it do? Kudhibu means, and they started entertaining the thought, or they started, the, the, the thought started dawning on them, I, that's how I translated it, that they were lied to. That the messenger started thinking that they were what? Lied to. She said, no. That's not how we're going to read it. That's not how it's read. We have to read it, Kudhibu, which means the messenger started feeling that they are being called liars. World of a difference. They're being lied to, means somebody's lying to them. They're being called liars, means they're the ones that are being accused of being liars. Totally different things, isn't it? See what a Shadda does? 
That's why you got to pay attention to the Jameeth class. <laughs> so we're going to understand her comment a little bit today, just a little bit. Kuddibu, that they were that they, that that they were started believing that people are considering them liars. Anahum qad kuddibu. She says, and and then somebody came to her. So kamafis sahih anazori. Akhbarani Urwa an Aisha qalat lahu. So Urwa narrates from Aisha that he she said to him, wahuwa yasaluha, and he was asking her, wadhanu anahum qad kuddibu mukhafafa. He asked her about the ayah. They thought that they were lied to, lied to. And she said, Ma'adallah, Allah forbid, I cling to Allah. No, no, no. So she got offended when she heard, Kudibu. Lam Messengers never thought like that about their God, about their master. Meaning, they started thinking they've been lied to, meaning Allah lied to them, Ma'adallah. Right? That's what she saw that that, that, that could mean, and so she rejected it. So I asked, so what does that mean that they, were, they thought they were lied to? Then our help came. So what's this help that came? So she says, حَتَّى إِذَا سَيَسَ الرُّسُلُ بِمَنْ كَذَّبَهُمْ مِنْ قَوْمِهِمْ وَظَنَّتِ الرُّسُلُ أَنَّ أَتْبَعَهُمْ قَدْ كَذَّبُوهُمْ جَاءَهُمْ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ عَنْدَ ذَلِكَ لَعُمْرِ لَقَدْ اسْتَيْقَنُوا أَنَّ قَوْمَهُمْ كَذَّبُوهُمْ فَمَا هُوَ بِالظَّنِ So there's two things I'll leave you with today. According to her reading. Then we'll do the other readings too. According to her reading, the messengers started absolutely believing that there's no hope and these people are going to call them liars that that's the that's all they'll ever see me as there's there's no hope of them me seeing me as anybody else or anything else but a liar they're just going to consider me a liar and another dimension she adds is that they lost all hope in the disbelievers and things got so hard for them that they started thinking even the people who have dared to believe in me things are becoming so hard for them that they might actually come under pressure and they'll say, no, okay, you're right, he's not a messenger, I can't deal with this. So, they started questioning whether their followers will remain their followers. Or they will also step back and say, this, this, I didn't sign up for this, there's too much. There's too much. That's how hopeless they became. They even started questioning, will these followers still consider me a messenger? Because here I was delivering a message of faith and hope and peace. And because they believe in me, they have their, their faith is being tested every day. Their hope is being ripped from them. Their peace is gone, can't be found. So they're like, I thought religion is going to make my life easier. So this is not what I ordered on Amazon. So I think I'm out. So <laughs> the messengers even started fearing. The thoughts started coming to them that maybe my followers will not remain my followers. That's how hard things got. Now, a messenger can start almost losing hope. And the trials can be so tough that even a messenger can think that a, people that have loved me, that have followed me, that have prayed with me, that have honored me, even they can start walking away. Even they might start walking away. You know what this ayah tells us? It tells us that the, the, you know, we don't think to ourselves, Oh, I'd never leave Islam. I'd never leave Islam. Messengers got scared at a point where their followers might leave. That they might call them a liar. And what would, what would make them do that? It wouldn't be some philosophical epiphany. It wouldn't be some college university course. It would be trials in their life. The trials can become so tough that take hope away. And actually because hope is being taken away, the devil might make them put blame on following messengers 
as the real culprit. So if you just get rid of this messenger business, you can go back to having an easy life. And the messenger started thinking, maybe that's what my followers will do. Maybe they'll go back to Because, you know, sometimes being awake is uncomfortable and being asleep is more comfortable. I just woke them up, but maybe they'll want to go back to the comfort of sleep. That thought started coming to them. That's how, things, that's how tough it became to stay awake. This is an ayah about what it means to have faith. Because what it means to have faith is to have your eye on an ugly reality and face it, not run from it. And when you face that reality, sometimes people don't have the strength to hold on to, to, to keep dealing with reality as it is. You know what people do nowadays? When reality gets too tough, they run to a video game. They run to alcohol. They can run to drugs. They can run to some... Because I can't face it. I can't think about it. It's too tough. I can't face it. When messengers themselves are like, these people aren't changing. Things are getting worse and worse and worse. I'm almost at the point of hopelessness myself. And what my biggest hopelessness, my, the near hopelessness that I have is even the people that have dared to believe with me are starting to give up. Or might give up. They might call me a liar. They might say, this, this religion doesn't have victory. Well, what victory? What is this? Then our help came. Ja'ahum nasrullah. Then our, our, our aid finally at that point arrived. Where even the messengers, by the point where even the messengers were shaken. So we'll pick up from this point, inshallah ta'ala, tomorrow. Um, maybe we'll just spend this week on Ayah 110. I don't know. But there, there is stuff to be unpacked here. That's quite a bit more. That needs to get unpacked here. We'll look at the word dhan in some more depth. We'll look at the other qira'at and their implications in some more depth. Um, and we're going to look at some other ayat in the Qur'an that talk about the same thing. To help us understand this better. Uh, may Allah Azza make us strong and help us become those who hold on to their faith. And even when things become almost hopeless, well, we're never of those who lose complete hope in Allah. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim.